Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, from whom is every good and gracious gift in all the earth. Amen. Even if my daylight never dawns, even if my breakthrough never comes, even if I'll fight to bring you praise, even if my dreams fall to the ground, even if I'm lost, I know I'm found, even if my heart will somehow say, hallelujah, anyway. This comes from a song by Rend Collection. And it struck me as a good Thanksgiving idea. It's called Hallelujah Anyway. No matter what the circumstances, no matter what life brings, Christians have a reason to give thanks. There's a rather popular YouTube psychologist named Jordan Peterson who gives talks and lectures, teaches in universities, and practices psychology, who talks often about resentment. And he says that resentment is poison. He calls it part of an evil triad, the unholy trinity. Arrogance, deceit, and resentment are three parts of our sinful nature that only lead to more pain, even though we think in the moment, somehow, these are things that will get us out of our pain, they really only increase the agony. He says, when you start nursing secret fantasies of revenge, when your life is being poisoned and your imagination fills with the wish to devour and destroy, resentment. Well, there is one antidote to the poison of resentment, and it's the opposite, which is gratitude. But the type of gratitude needed to combat resentment is not something that you can have only when the skies are sunny. It's something that is needed when it's cloudy, when it's dark, when you're going through something for which you would say, according to your flesh, there's no reason to give thanks. But the Apostle Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians or 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So we'll look at that passage in two ways. One, thanks is meant to be given, not taken. And secondly, thanks is meant for every circumstance, not just some. You see, the opposite of thanksgiving would be thanks-taking. And too often that's actually what we do. We take away thanks that should be given and try to reserve something for ourselves. If a person's not willing to give thanks, then they really are taking something away from God. Something that they could give to God, something they could, could give to others, and they're taking and holding on to it instead. You just don't have to look far in the scriptures to find this because it's already in the 
first story after the fall of Adam and Eve. In the story of Cain and Abel, you find a difference between these two brothers. The two brothers have been born into a world that is sinful, and they come to a God that they expect is going to be there to make things right. Only God doesn't accept both their offerings. He only accepts one, Abel's. As you read through the story of Cain and Abel, you come to the question, well, what was the difference? What was the difference between Cain and Abel? And honestly, the text really doesn't say. It says a little bit about the difference between the offerings themselves. One was a lamb, the other was the fruit of the harvest. But what is noticeable is not said, but it's implied. The difference is in their reactions. We don't hear much about Abel and his offering, but we hear a lot about Cain. We hear about his response. When God says that he doesn't accept Cain's offering, his response is that he becomes downcast. He, his face falls, he becomes depressed, he becomes angry. He becomes resentful. And that resentment settles into him so that no matter what God says, Cain cannot get it out of his mind that he resents his brother. He sees in his brother something there that he got that should have been given to Cain. God tries to address this patiently, repeatedly by asking questions. Why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is to rule over you but you must rule over it. So you see that first sin of self-deserving, the idea that God owes us something better than what he's given us. God owes us acceptance. He owes us congratulations when we do something that we've earned. And that settles into him so that it becomes a power that wants to rule over him. And he's warning Cain that when he deals with that, he goes back out into the field with his brother and he sees his brother next time. That sin is going to be ready. And because Cain doesn't heed the warning, he doesn't pray. He heads out into the field without trying to address this at all. The resentment overtakes him, and like a a crouching lion, it has its way with him, and he kills his brother. You see, thanks is something that's meant to be given, not something meant to be taken. Thanks requires sacrifice. It requires something in us must be given up, and it's not just the offering of the fruit or the offering of the lamb. It's the offering of yourself that you have to give up something in yourself to be grateful. You have to recognize there's something there that you haven't done or you haven't earned, but it's been given to you. It's a gift. When you look at 
a similarity between Abel and Jesus, you see a model. Only the book of Hebrews points out that between Abel's offering and Jesus, there's even a greater example. It says Abel's offering ended up in blood left on the ground. And that blood cries out for revenge, for God to make things right and make things just. But Hebrews says Jesus' blood also lies on the ground. But it cries out for something better. Not revenge, not to make things even with Cain, but salvation, thanksgiving. Jesus' ministry was always a ministry of giving. It was all thanksgiving. Everything Jesus ever knew of his Father in heaven led him every day of his life to give rather than take. And so he gave food to the 5,000, where he prayed to his Father in heaven, gave thanks, and gave away food to feed a whole hillside of people. But it was also given in the ways he was forgiving. Because forgiveness requires the same and even a greater sense of gratitude, of willingness to give rather than take, because forgiveness is costly. It meant a sacrifice of Jesus' own self for him to give up everything he deserves in order to do what his Father wants and to do what's right for us. So thanksgiving is a sacrifice of yourself. Sacrificing yourself to give something to someone else. Secondly, thanks is also meant not just for some circumstances, but Paul says, give thanks in everything, in every way, in every circumstance. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in every circumstance. And you can think of how this is true at Thanksgiving. It's maybe not so much of a credit to us that we can give thanks at Thanksgiving. Because after all, what are the circumstances? It's during Thanksgiving, there we are, we're off work. That's something we're grateful for. We're looking at a table filled with food and wine in abundance. We get to choose who's going to be at that table. That makes it easier. We have our loved ones. The only thing we have to worry about all day is when the football game's on. So we spend those Fridays eating, cleaning up a little, and shuffling through Black Friday ads. But it's another thing altogether to give thanks when you don't have those things. When there's no work to be found, when all you have are table scraps, when loved ones have passed away, when a marriage has ended in divorce, when you've been evicted, when you're sick, or when you're homeless. This last week I attended a homeless seminar. It was held up at the Ruritan Club, and they talked about the problem of homelessness in West Columbia 
to the point that they can't even number the amount of people. It is too hard and it goes too far back into some of these unincorporated, undeveloped lands and woods. But before that seminar, I happened to notice a couple of guys over on Pinecrest Road, and I thought I'd ask them what they thought about the seminar and what they had to share. And so I talked to Alan there and Tim and Jolene. I don't know anything about them. I couldn't tell you where they came from or where they were going. But they did talk with me. And asking Tim, I said, uh, I know the regular things that, that you would be needing in emergency, right? Food, clothes, healthcare products, and so on. But I asked him, I said, what about the long-term needs? What, what do you think about hope or purpose? You know, what are people thinking about those things? He said, well, he said, most of them aren't. Most of them don't care. But some do. I said, so what percentage do you think, you know, care about those things, hope and purpose? He said, I don't know. It's not very many. I said, maybe 10%. He said, yeah, we're probably right. 10% maybe. Attending that homeless seminar, they talked about how they can find out where people are living before they send in officers or help. And they have drone technology. And these drones are able to fly over the woods and they detect body heat. So they can tell you where all the warm bodies are, which on some of these evenings might not be very warm. And that technology allows them to, to locate camps and, and know how many people they're dealing with and so on. You know, so who are the 10% of those warm bodies in those woods out there that are ready to give thanks, that are ready to lay aside that life of ingratitude, and when they see Jesus, are ready to come to him and recognize what he's doing for them. Because that was the story, of course, that we read just earlier. There were 10 lepers, and Jesus encountered them on the road, and they came up to him and said, Lord, have mercy on me. And he was able to give something to every one of them. He gave them ceremonial, physical cleansing of their leprosy, even better than a meal or clothes on their back. He healed them of their disease. And so they went off to the priests, like they should. But out of the ten, how many recognized the significance of who Jesus was? Ten percent. It does not come naturally to us. But for that 10%, for that one Samaritan who went back to his hometown and could tell him about what Jesus did, the cleansing that wasn't just outward, but who washed and cleansed and set him free, he could go back and tell them everything. Jesus has a technology that senses every warm body and every cold heart. And from that technology, he is searching out for everyone, young, old, middle-aged, rich, poor, well taken care of, or homeless. He's searching out every one of them. And he's searching out every one of you to warm your heart with the gospel 
so that you can give thanks in every circumstance, no matter whether your tables are full of turkey and stuffing or they're not, whether you have a loved one next to you that you've had with you for so many years or not. He says you can still give thanks, which reminds us of the Black Friday that truly meant something. The Black Friday where Jesus changed it all for us. And so from that song I began with, I'll find a way to praise you from the bottom of my broken heart. Because I think I'd rather strike a match than curse the dark. Yeah, I'll find a way to thank you, through the, though the bitterness is real and hard. Because I'd rather take a chance on hope than fall apart. I don't think I'm ready to surrender to the dark. Even if my daylight never dawns. Even if my breakthrough never comes. Even if I'll fight to bring you praise. Even if my dreams fall to the ground. Even if I'm lost, I know I'm found. Even if my heart will somehow say, hallelujah, anyway. Amen.